I don't care if they try to boycott me again. I'm playing. You're so doing I'll be it. there. Coming with the shorts and the high socks. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and so. a mesh jersey. Just slinging it. <laughs> Are there relatives you love more than jets flying over the Bell Edwards Stadium? Like just a couple? Well, my mother. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. It is now our pleasure to bring in Pro Football Hall of Famer, NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. Stop, stop. And he was okay at BYU too. And he's an author. Let's throw that in too. Steve Young is with us, joining us over Zoom. Steve, great to have you back on the show. How are things? I love it. I love my mom's version of the introduction. That's very good. You know, it's like extensive. It like covers all the big points. And may the fourth be with all everybody. You know, I, I, I came to it late. My kids love Star Wars. Love. I mean, like, watch it, you know, over and over and over. And I had to, I had to be honest with them. I was like, because like, yeah, you are, did you go to, did you line up around the theater? Like, do you? I'm like, I didn't, I didn't do that. Maybe for Indiana Jones, but not for Star Wars. But I'm a a latecomer to it. But I do, I have uh, uh, developed the appreciation for all things Star Wars. So I'm in. Wait, so your senior year, fall of 83, you aren't watching Return of the Jedi in theaters? This isn't taking over Provo? I know, it's crazy. It's insanity. How could I miss? I was probably watching Rocky Three, you know. Like, I, I, my 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 sense of art was a little bit diminished in the old days. I've grown. I've matured. Steve Young with us on BYU Sports Nation in his matured fashion. And speaking of which, Steve, okay. So with the Star Wars conversation out of the way, we'll get to the name, image, likeness, Mattis, in just a moment. But I know there are a lot of BYU fans and BYU football coaches that are clamoring for Steve Young to show up at next year's alumni game. Is that a pipe dream, or would that happen? Well, the sad thing is, I didn't know anything about it. I read about it afterwards, and I thought to myself, I was so offended. (laughs) Right? It's like, are you telling me that you think that I can't play? (laughs) Like, who makes the invitations and who do I need to go after and who do I need to go see right now and strangle, you know, for, for the lack of respect. Uh, and so I'm not over it right now. So I'm not sure what the next, I might have to boycott now because they, they, they disrespected me. I'm not sure where to go with this, but I can guarantee you I don't, who played and what did it look like? It just looked like, you know, ridiculous. I, I, I'm playing next year. I mean, if, I don't care if they try to ban, even they try to boycott me again. I mean, I'm playing. You're so doing I'll it. I'll be there. I'll okay. be like, that. I'll come in with the shorts and the high socks. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and a so. mesh jersey, just slinging it. <laughs> <The> mesh. <laughs> but the but yeah, you mesh. have to play your right, OG. Uh, mesh. You have to play your OG position, safety. You may have to play both sides. Oh yeah. Three three weeks of safety with Tom Homo in the back house of the Smith Field House. <laughs> That was the that was the low point of my athletic career, right there. <laughs> Tom Tom was like, "You don't seem like you're really enjoying this." I'm like, "Tom, this is not a no monthly safety." <laughs> Tom, this is not how the LA Express are going to pick me up. Okay, this is not yeah, how it's going right. to go. This is not. A, yeah. I know. 
I have a better chance at, the, at law school than I do <laughs> playing for the plane safety. All right, Steve. Now we transition to the wild, wild west of college football with name, image, and likeness. It's modern-day free agency, it feels like, within college sports. What do you think of currently an ungoverned situation and how it's impacting college sports? Is it enhancing it or is it ruining it? Uh, well, it depends on where you're standing from. If you're a young you know, high school athlete, and now all of a sudden you're putting hundreds of thousands of dollars in your pocket, maybe millions. Uh, you know, that's, a, a, what, oh, that's terrible. Don't, <laughs> I, we don't want that to happen. But the problem is, as you guys have pointed out immediately, is the Wild West is, think about the Wild West. It was without regulation. It was without plan. It was just, this thing got dropped on the, on the NCA and dropped on college athletics. And it's exploded, and there's no there's no functioning group that can come in and give it, you know, uh, clarity. Uh, the NCAA, I, I think, is incapable of doing it. I think if you sue the NCAA today, you're almost guaranteed a victory. So I do not believe the NCAA is is the is the group that can come in and tame what is the Wild West, like right? to give it governance and give it structure and give it a plan what does it look like in the future and if you could you told me four or five years ago that the nca would be essentially neutered from this kind of a conversation we'd all be like oh my gosh where are we where are we going to go so you know with that in mind okay who else can come in over the top uh and try to create something that would be useful and that's congress and i just I don't think they'll do it. My, that's my, you could people can hope that Congress comes and acts and creates an environment where we can try to figure out what an student a student athlete is, but I just I don't believe that that's going to happen. So if I'm right, what you have is the people who are going to decide it are the people with all the marbles, and who has all the marbles today? That's the commissioner of the SEC, yeah, and and the television, right? And they'll. And what will they, what, how will they think about it? They'll think about it as there's an elite group of schools that will collect and the television will say, look, I need these 50 schools. And then those 50 schools are in and they'll figure out how to divvy it up and they'll figure out how to do it. And then, you know, and they'll, uh, and that's football and basketball kind of maybe creates the same kind of environment. And then, you know, than everyone else and everyone else is going to be just what you can fund, you know, and then you're think about the NILs today and where like all of the money that used to pour into athletic departments to try to create a, a budget surplus or at least break even so they could have 40 sports. We used to come from all the alumni and all the donors. So that so you had a racquetball team and a you know you know I'm, I'm, I'm overdoing it there, but I mean just saying like uh, women's um, uh, lacrosse or you know you had a lot of sports out there, men's wrestling. There's a lot of sports that don't make any money. They cost BYU. They cost all schools money. And how do they fund it? They fund it from football. They fund it from donors. Now, all of a sudden, that money is now dried up and gone. It's other places. Yeah, interesting. It's, yeah. The, it's, the, it's, the sign, it's the sign the next quarterback, right? It's all – look at the $40 million budget 
that Texas A&M has for football. It's wild. $40 million to pay guys to come play. That used to have be used to be zero. Now it's 40 and all that money is, where's that money draining from? That's, you know, that sound you hear draining from all the other sports that aren't, you know, don't have the fun, don't have the funding, don't have the, 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 uh, the budget. So what happens if I'm right, that all the guys, the TV, TV and the SEC figure out who the friends are to take all the money, all the money in the college system is going to go to football and basketball and to those few teams. And all the other money is going to be drained from it. And then how do you, what do you have left? I, I, I have no idea. And you say, well, that can't happen. That's impossible. No one will let that happen. I, I just don't, I mean, I, I had long conversation with a power five men's basketball head coach the other day. And he feels like um, college athletics is dead. Mm when it comes to other sports than basketball and football, there will not be because, or there'll be, and the, in the, in the, in the college football environment will be like Alabama. You'll go play for Alabama. You get paid. You don't go to school. You'll just be a employee of Alabama. And that's how that'll, that'll go down. Yeah. And so the idea that, and then you figure like a Stanford or a BYU or, you know, those that, you know, those schools that are just going to have a lot of integrity around what the system should look like. They're going to try to figure out another way to do it. And they'll just have to go fund it themselves and try to create an environment where they can go compete with each other. And I'm not talking about football. Football's different. But all the other sports, they're going to have to figure out a new way forward and unfunded new funding to go be able to play college sports. Okay, we got three minutes left, Steve. Wanted to get your uh, take on Tyler Algier to the Falcons. What do you think oh, of that? Wait, fit? you have no. You're going to say just let that go? Like I just told you, that, <laughs> like that's that's madness. It is. It, it is madness. And, and hopefully BYU will be included on the in crowd. That's a concern we've had. Is okay if there's separation, will BYU be included there? It'll be. You know, we'll be on the bubble, right? We've always been on the bubble. So we'll just, you know, we'd have, but you look, the one of the, 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 call it the, the head coach that I talked to last week said BYU on NILs really progressive, really figured it out. Yeah. Leading the way, yep. giving people a, so in that way, the more we lead, the more we have an opportunity to make sure that we're part of whatever conversation needs to happen. So I give Tom and, and Kalani and everybody credit for what they've done with what in the wild west to create some, you know, a leadership role in the in the wild west and certainly this nil business is going to have an impact it's already having an impact on the transfer portal which is a whole other topic steve uh, maybe they're so intertwined that it's just kind of one big subject but the transfer portal also greatly impacting the future of college sports do you like what's happening there do you feel like guys should it's, be able to go where they want to go more often the problem is is that we're trying to create an environment for students you know student athletes to get through college, right? That's how it's supposed to be. It's like, get a degree. We want graduates. We want degrees. We want people educated. Like the whole point was, and I think that you can see that with the portal just adds another layer away from the, you know, kind of the student athlete to more to the professionalized free agency and kind of, you know, semi-pro league that college football will become is, is now. That's what I kept saying about this, this head coach. I'm like, you know, yeah, what do you think? Of that? No, it's happening now. 
And so the idea that, you know, that we're going to hold on to this glamorous idea of ideal of student athlete is it's dead. That's I, I, that's what he said. I tend to agree. And so the portal just makes it that much more mm -hmm. of, you know, it's the NFL and it's the NBA and just a different, different guys, different ways to think about it, but that's what it is. And the idea that it's now, uh, disconnected from, you know, school, you know, scholar scholarship is, is a fact. So I think you, soon it'll just become complete disassociation from school. You won't, you won't play for, you know, BYU going to school. We'll force it, you know, cause that's, we'll have the integrity to do it. But most schools will just say, look, just you're an employee of the school through the portal. We'll take our best. We'll take our best 50 guys this year through the portal and, and otherwise who we recruit just like, just like the NFL. We, we draft some guys, we get some free agents, we put them all together, we throw them together with a, you know, with a budget and off we go and we try to go win a Super Bowl. And then they, we blow it all up and we do it again next year. It's exactly what's happening in college football. So just look at the NFL. It won't be nearly as structured as the NFL, but it's the same thing. Steve, I wish we could talk for like an hour or longer, but we're being told that we've got 30 seconds left. So I do want to take this time to promote your new book, the law of love. Okay. We all need some solace in this wild, wild west chaos sports world. Let's find some solace, solace in your book. Yeah. Let's be very clear. I did not come on in trade for you to promote this. Like, this came no. out of nowhere. No, no. So I, I know it, it sounds crazy, but it's my way forward uh, in my kind of religious life. And I really, I, I, I found it very, very engaging for me, and, I, and I'm hoping that other people find it equally engaging on the way forward. It's, it's my way forward, and, I, and I, it's very, very meaningful to me, and I appreciate you mentioning Hey, you got it. Uh, we're going to have you back on again soon because we need to discuss Zach Wilson's offseason and Tyler Algier to the Falcons. So oh, let's make that happen next we got time. Some, we got some things to have. And Tyler, Tyler's in a great spot to go play. If Mike Davis, I think he's going to – I think Tyler starts – by oh, week man. three. Okay. 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 Thanks, Steve. Now that's what we call a tease. All right, Steve, great to talk All to right. you. We'll do See it again boys. soon. Thank you so much. Hey, guys. Take care. Steve Young on BYU Sports Nation, bringing some heat with wait, those opinions. Wait. You're right. We need an hour with him. Let's Whoa. go. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Jerem, I just mentioned it off the top of the show. Name, image, and likeness is certainly making a huge impact yep. on college sports, specifically college football, which has been under the microscope with some big-time personalities, Dabo Sweeney, Kalani Satake, getting involved in that conversation yesterday. Is name, image, likeness ruining or enhancing college football in your opinion? Well, it's hard to know exactly, right? Like right now it feels pretty chaotic, Spence, where there's not a lot of governance about this. Uh, I can recall, you know, different instances in even church history where, hey, this new doctrine was announced and yeah. people ran to a river and were, you know, doing, you know, people were, it was chaotic. It's not how it is done now, right? Um, you, you figure out, hey, what, what, what do we do? Uh, what, how do we govern this? Who, who makes the rules? And then you get, like, state laws involved. It's very complicated, right? Obviously, 
when you turn 18 and you have a skill, you deserve to be paid for said skill. Is a scholarship enough? If not, then what? Right? That's like, should players make comparable wage? Yes. Like, I think most of us are on the, at, once you graduate from high school, you go to college. If you got a skill, like, if it's non-sports, non-NCA, you're like the most amazing engineer ever. You can just go be an engineer and make whatever that you're able to make, right? So th- this is – it's interesting. Like obviously the, there needs to be some governance on this. It is sort of the wild, wild west yes. right now. With this, the rich get richer. Uh, Bureau's trying to hang in this area as best it can as all schools are. The small schools probably are going to get – forced out of having certain sports at some point. It's just, it's really hard. So, um, and then there, you know, there are questions about Kalani Sitake being quoted yesterday uh, by Reddit College Football and getting out there. Um, and and he, he said something to the effect of, you know, I'm not sure 18 or 19-year-olds should have that much money, da, da, da. That was not explained fully in context. So we want to make sure that people understood how that was yeah. spoken how he said it, so he can hear in his voice how it said or not, whatever, make whatever determination you want. He said it on uh, Big 12 Today on SiriusXM with Chris Budin and Gabe Ickerd. Here's what it sounded like. If you ask me personally what my thoughts are on, 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 on football and college football, I think there has to be a, a level of amateurism to it. Uh, I don't know if money is the answer uh, to everything. You know, I don't know if, if, if a, a young 18, 19-year-old is supposed to have that much money in their, in their bank account, but maybe there's a way that they can put it in an investment fund for them in the future. But I don't know if, if a first date in a college student should be going to some big old steakhouse like Ruth's Chris. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's great. But what do you do for the second date? Go to the Bahamas or something? Like, I don't know what to tell you. you know, the, <laughs> the expectations for a, for a college student so sometimes to just learn how to budget and learn to be on a budget and to have a connection and, and, and hang out with your buddies and, 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 and just have that connection that just doesn't rely on money. You know, I believe that uh, college football players shouldn't have any student debt which is why I really like the, the, the thought that Built came in and, and relieved a lot of our all of our walk-ons from having to pay tuition. And we're seeing things that we're trying to, trying to make NIL work for the team, for the, for the, the whole group. And, and if we can do that, I think if someone makes a little bit more money than the others because of their name, image, and likeness, that's great. But, but we, we're a t- it's a team sport. We've got to be focused on taking care of the least of our brethren. And, and when we do that and we care about them, I think that makes you a better team and makes you a better teammate. So uh, I, th- I like the camaraderie and the connection, the culture that we have on our program right now. And I think uh, it's important that, that we as coaches and, and administrators do what we can to make sure that we govern it as much as we can and that we give our players the experience and not just, just throw a bunch of money at them. Kalani Satake again on Big 12 today on Sirius XM with Chris Budden and Gabe Eckhart. Now, the thing is, so Kalani gets this post sent out, the quote board that goes viral of, I don't know if 18 and 19-year-olds should have that much money in their bank account. Now, the context there, listening to it further, is, well, the coach just wants those kids to have some governance and some tutelage into how to manage their money and not just, here it is. Now go do whatever you want with it. Which the head coach can control this for his team. He can say, yep, we've got budgeting classes. We've got investing classes. Sure. I'm going to sit. Like, Kalani can't control that for his squad, which, yeah. Is, yeah. which is great. Um, does, is he saying, you know, and I know he was on here recently, but is he saying the NCAA should mandate that? Like, I don't know exactly. Yeah, I, I don't think there's 
much besides the idea that he just wants them to have uh, to be set up to succeed if they do right. are granted extra sure. money at such a young age. I, I do believe. How dare he want that for his team? But I do believe that if you are worth something, you should get that value, and it's not anyone else's job sure. to dictate when you get it, um, per se. So, I, I, you know, maybe Kalani and I feel a little different on that, but I agree that, y- yes, you should try and set them up to succeed, obviously. He, and, and this Case is, in point being, we've seen so many young athletes that j- make the jump to the pros don't have a backdrop of that, and right. you and, see that money go away in a hurry. Right. And here, they're not in the pros. They are uh, at an institution that can support and help them, and hopefully that's what can happen here. Here's what concerns me about this whole name, image, and likeness thing. Uh, yes, I, I feel like because athletes are becoming more and more exposed to big money and these contracts early on, they're going to feel more entitled, sure. and that creates some more big personalities. And you know, then you get guys like, well, uh, Ohio State—they gave me three hundred grand to sign, but I didn't play as much as I was going to play. So now, am I going to go somewhere else and have somebody else give me another three hundred thousand dollar NIL deal? Like, well, is that what it's becoming? You mean more, like the Miami basketball? Yes, like let's go somewhere else and get more money from from name, image, and likeness. Yeah, and it's like, oh man, they just gave you three hundred grand, and now you're leaving after like not even a year, like that. That to me is like, whoa. Okay, now it's just about the money. It's clearly not about anything else. It's, yes, it's not about competition. And I, I still want it to be about competition. Yeah, and, and, and playing. Yep. And I want that in college. Like yeah. the team. You want, Some yeah. of that. Yes, NIL is. Uh, I wouldn't say it's anti-team per se, but it's very individualistic. Obviously. Yeah, I. I it's not team name image likeness. It's, it's a, individual. A little bit of a concern. The other thing is, and this is general college athletics. Like I don't think BYU's in the mix for these people. Sure. We're talking about now, if a player is paid a ton of money, and they're like, "Well, I don't need to go to school then," it's like, "Ah, uh, what happens if that player gets injured? Then what?" Because they're just like, "Well, I'm not going to go to school. I got my money. I'm out." Like you set up a contract, con- like a professional, where it's like, "Well, this part of your NIL is guaranteed, and this is based on." Sure, but X, like, what? Y, don't I want Academics. them? I want them to get degrees so that in case they do get hurt and something goes wrong with their athletic pursuit, they have something to fall back on. No doubt. I want that. And, and this level of athlete might not be the one that's there to go to school. Yeah, which brings the, the, up, yeah. the one we're talking about. Like the type that is there to – like there are, there are those who want both, but it, in the future, like I, people want to go – like the high-profile athletes, of course they want to go pro. That is the end game. But uh, if they can make a – a good living in, in college in the future. Like, obviously, this is changing the game. In five years, it's going to look very different. In 20 years, it's going to look very different. We're in the first couple of years. Because it's new, it's kind of like, yeah. oh, boy. Whoa, We're, we're whoa, figuring out how whoa. to govern this. Yeah. Like People are scared of new. We don't even know who governs it. Like, <laughs> there's some real issues here. But um, right now, it is it is messing up college sports a little bit. I hope that we can get to where it's, nope, we've wrangled it at least somewhat. There's always going to be issues. There's always going to be cheating. There's always going to be cheating. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We now welcome in the new director of player personnel for BYU football, Justin Anderson. He's back! But he's... It's kind of it's kind of an old new. It's it's yeah. new, 
because you're back. Welcome back. Thanks. Great to be back. Oh, it's man. surreal. Pretty awesome. wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Honestly. We're still here doing this. You guys are doing great. You look here. great. Oh, Let me tell you. you. you guys it looks look amazing. Right? You guys, the fingernails are awesome. Yes, I mean, great. it really adds a touch. <laughs> oh, man. What a journey you've been on uh, over the past seven years since uh, we last talked to you on this program. Yeah. Went to Virginia. Walk us through that. Walk us through what you've been doing the last seven years. Yep. So when we left here, we went to Virginia with uh, Coach Mendenhall and the staff, and that was a uh, an amazing experience, uh, just learning and growing. And in my, you know, I'd only been a personnel director for four months when I got here. So four months and we left, my wife was going to kill me at that point. Uh, but the experience there growing and with that staff and kind of power five football and how that worked in the ACC. And then what we were able to accomplish there was really, really awesome. Um, and then from there, yeah, you know, Bronco stepped down and, um, we all had a, you know, find a new path, and I was able to step on at ECU, East Carolina, and that was awesome. Coach Houston and the staff were just great to me there. So I learned a lot there, too. In the three months I was there, I learned a, a whole lot about recruiting and the different ideas and personnels and what you kind of look for in, in athletes. And, you know, you look from P5 to group of five, it really teaches you what you're looking for. So it was a neat experience. So uh, when, you, when you get to Virginia, obviously there's a bunch of BYU guys there. You guys yeah. go to an Orange Bowl. Like, Never you guys happened. changed Virginia football, which is super cool. And then Bronco uh, announced he's stepping down. This was very sudden, I think, yeah. to the staff, right? Yeah. Then you go to ECU, now you're at BYU. So what have you gone through the past, I guess, what, five months of I'm at Virginia, now I'm at ECU, yeah. and now I'm back at BYU? Yeah, it's um, uh, it's – Wow, it's hard to even explain, honestly. Like, it, was your when, wife mad at you about this one too? You know, no. It's it's one of those. She's like, "Wow, really?" Um, she was excited. I think it's for me. It was an opportunity you can't pass up. I mean, this is home for me. My family's here. I played here. I've had an amazing experiences here. I paid played with Coach Sataki, and uh, man, it, it some, it's even hard for me to like talk about. It happened so quick, but with the stepping down and. Moving on, that's it's hard, right, on a family. That's the coaching profession, the world that you live in. Um, I'm lucky to have an amazing wife and great kids, and it's kind of like, well, all right, what do we do next? And, you know, really didn't have anything set up. It's not like when I look for East Carolina job, it's like, okay, what do I do? Start applying for jobs and reaching out, and you have people helping you, other staff members, and, you know, meeting Coach Houston, he gave me that opportunity. He was just, it was awesome, and I loved it there. And then this, I mean, it just happened so quick, honestly. It was like, and I'm back, I'm back here, and, and man, it's awesome. I, I, like I said, it's so surreal to even be sitting here again. October 28th in Lavelle Edward Stadium, East Carolina is going to come in. You'll be like, hey, guys, it's yeah. me. Remember, I'm Justin. Know, I'm Remember like, my guys, name? Guys, don't hate me. Now, Coach Houston was <laughs> phenomenal. I, like, when, I, when, I, when it all happened, he was so supportive. Mm. The staff has been great. They reached out to me, and, it, you know, it makes you f- feel good. And uh, I'm really grateful for that, how they handled it. And Coach Houston, like I said, he was, he was incredible. It's an opportunity you can't pass up. That's what he told me. Because you're coming home and BYU's going into a Power Five and all that? Like... Yeah, I think there's just a whole lot to it. You know, like I said, my family's here. It's BYU where I played. I played with Coach Taki, played with Gennaro. I know Coach Roderick. We went to Rick's together. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, Rick's receivers, right? Yes. That's pretty cool. He was like the guy that I looked up to. I just got there, and he was leaving, and he was like, the, was, he's like, he's the man. You know, I want to be the next Aaron Roderick. So it's really, like I said, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. 
The new director of player personnel for BYU football, Justin Anderson, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Of course, BYU football alumnus. Did you feel in your heart of hearts that you'd be back one day when you left in 2015? Honestly, no. Um, I felt like, you know, every time, you know, I was a GA here for like a year and a half and then four months, I was like, okay, I'm not meant to be back here. Like, I'm supposed to be somewhere else. And, you know, I'm a I'm a man of faith, so I'm always like, wherever I'm supposed to be, I know the Lord will guide my path. And so I just felt like my path is supposed to be somewhere else. When I coached high school in Florida, I was at Nichols State, as a, and I come back for a little bit, and then I'm at Virginia, and now in East Carolina, I'm like, okay, you know, it's meant to be that I'm supposed to be somewhere else. But, um, man, I'm glad I'm back. It's good to have you back, man. Okay, let's talk about uh, what the director of player personnel means now, because there were three jobs that feel like they're eight jobs. Yeah. So... You know, the, the college recruiting world has changed. I mean, Holy from when cow. I started here as the personnel and then at Virginia and building a recruiting department there and now East Carolina and I'm back here. I mean, it's it's different. And so personnel is really you're looking at, I would say it's similar to general, general manager at the NFL level. Like mm. you're looking at, you're evaluating players, you're trying to make sure manage roster numbers and, and all those types of things. So it, there's a lot that goes into it, and I love it. It's, to me, it's like a puzzle piece that you're trying to figure out and put the best pieces together. And the coaches are the ones that, you know, you're re- really there to support them and help them find the guys that they want to recruit. And so, yeah, I, I love it. But that's really what it is. It's like a general manager of an NFL team, really, best so, way to explain it. So there's a recruiting element to it combined with the current roster? Yep. So, you know. And managing return missionaries, I assume. Yeah. So you're evaluating current players. And now with the transfer portal, you got someone evaluating the transfer portal, which is crazy. So when a guy hits the portal, you, you know who they are. And more than likely, you've probably recruited them at some point. That's yeah. usually how it works, right? That's why they want to come to you, like. That's why you always want to leave with good relationships with kids because you never know with this transfer portal yeah. who's going to come back. So it's it's recruiting and personnel and, like I said, looking at the roster and missionaries and BYU is unique in that regard, right? So now you're looking at expanded lengths of time where other colleges are looking at, you know, three, four years. Sure. So how is this different? Just to clarify, how is your position different than just the recruiting coordinator? Yeah, so I think, you know, recruiting coordinators looking at recruiting the recruits. So there's the recruiting part, which is where you're mailers and calling people and getting them on campus and those types of things. And then there's the personnel, which is more like a scouting department, right? So you're scouting, you're evaluating, you're looking at tape, measurables, camp numbers. I mean, it really, all of those things go into putting a piece together, right? So it looks at, you're looking at the whole piece of an athlete now. So you're looking at what's his character like? Um, what are his numbers? Uh, is he a good student? How does he learn? Right. You're learning all of these things like an NFL scout would when they go into a a college, they're asking those questions like how quickly does he learn? What are his injuries? You're looking at all of those things and it helps you put a piece together and you say, is this guy worth recruiting for us? Like, does he fit us? And every, every program is different, right? What we were looking at Virginia was different than what we were looking for East Carolina. And it'll be different than what we're looking at BYU. And so you got to find what fits. And I think the teams that have figured out how to build a strong culture and know what they want, like they're very clear on, here's what we want, they're the ones that are most successful. You've brought, you've, as a GM type, you've got to make some hard decisions then, I imagine, <laughs> where it's like, all right, here's our roster. We have these RMs, but this guy just came in the portal. We're full. 
who are we going to take off scholarship? Are there uncomfortable uncom- conversations sometimes like that where you're like, shoot, we've got to talk to this guy and say, you're preferred walk-on now. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't been here long enough to know that, but, you know, at other places, yeah, I think it is one of those qu- questions of transfer portal versus high school kid, right? So mm-hmm. do I take a high school kid or do I take this guy that's been developed a little bit already? He's a little more mature. Yeah. And, you know, they, it's harder to transfer now. Right, so there's that part. You take a high school kid, he can transfer. A college kid, now it's a little harder. He's transferred once. He's with you. So I think right. there's that whole piece that you're starting to look at. And so I think there are there are hard conversations, right? And it's it's not easy, um, but you always have to do its best for you and your program. Just like in my life, I have to do its best for me and my family. And you know, making this choice to come back here was best for me and my family at this time, and a hard decision. And personnel is no different, right? You have to have hard conversations. But if you know what you want and you handle it the right way, then those conversations are easy. Director of Player Personnel for BYU Football, Justin Anderson, is joining us. Now, based on what you experienced with the Power 5 program at Virginia and what Kalani Satake is clearly trying to build at BYU in terms of expanding the staff and getting to that Power 5 level before BYU makes the jump to the Big 12, how close is BYU to where they need to be in terms of a staff size, in your opinion? Because you've lived it. So how how close is BYU right now to getting to where they need to be so that you can manage all this and really continue that culture? Yeah, so I'm still learning everybody's names right now and kind of where everyone's at, but I would say I think it's headed in the right direction. And that's exciting. And, you know, for me, when I was talking to – it's hard to call him Kalani. I want to call him Coach Taki, but Kalani, um, you know, that was the vision he painted for me, and that got me excited of, of what they're looking to build, and I want to be a part of that. I, I like building. You know, when we were at Virginia, they had really no recruiting department. We build a recruiting department. They had no creative department. We build a creative department. And so it was one of those things that we saw what we needed, and you see what other programs are doing. You say, okay, what can we add that fits us? Because we're not going to be like everybody else. And so what, what do we have here? And I think that's the exciting part is it's growing and building, and I can't wait to be a part of it. And there's some element of uh, Virginia being unique within the ACC academically. Obviously, there are the good, good yeah. institutions, but yeah. Virginia was like, okay, they're great at basketball. They stink at football. You guys, you guys built a program there, which is pretty cool. Well, welcome back. Thanks. It's good to have you. Man, it's, like I said, it's awesome. I'm, <laughs> I can't wait to be back and just get going. Yeah, let's go. Okay, during the break, do you mind signing our flag? Yeah, we, 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 right. need, we yeah. need a Rick's College we wide receiver college. signature <laughs> up there. Exactly. Come on, we've got to keep right. that going. All right, sounds good. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. All right, big game boomer list BYU versus Utah game as the fourth best rivalry game ranked fourth in the rivalries that must be played every season. Do you agree with this? Is this the fourth best rivalry? Uh, I I think it's up there. Uh, I think it's top five. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of playing every year, this is a fun conversation we need to have. And yes, the answer is I want to play this every year. Even when BYU is in the Big 12, and let's say they, they're going to play eight or nine games uh, in the Big 12. And you want another big non-conference game, right? Question mark? What or do, or do you? Game? Like, do you want like Tennessee and Utah? And, you know what I mean? Well, next year, yeah. BYU's not playing Utah. What, they're playing Florida. You look at this. What's interesting is 19th is Utah, Utah State. They, they Do you don't, agree with that? They don't play each other. Yeah. 
I, w- I would say, if anything, it's BYU Utah State. I don't think BYU is going to play Utah State regularly. Sure. I think it's going to be every couple of years now. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. What do you think? I agree. I, I think they're up there. I think they're a top five rivalry. Yes. And the, they, need, the, they need that. The fan base needs that. The perception of religion in it note doesn't exist anywhere else. That's what makes it unique and fun. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Although the Utes are like, and we're some thir- of us what are, are we, 30 more, miles away? 30 miles away. I mean... Something like yeah, that. Yeah, something yep. like that. Round up. Michael Davis and Kyle Van Oye both tweeted out eye emojis the last 16 hours. Then this morning, Ian Rappaport says Kyle Van Oye's meeting with the Chargers. Do you like the potential fit of Kyle Van Oye with Michael Davis on the Chargers? I think he's going to be successful wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where he goes. I know there's a lot of Patriot fans that want him at the Patriots because he's been so successful there. Yeah, they already but let him go twice. Let him go twice, yeah. right? So let him go somewhere new. Let him go where it's warm. Chargers and I think he'd thrive in San Diego. I think he would too. I think it'd be great. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a veteran that makes plays, and uh, it'd be fun to see two Cougars team up. Absolutely. Michael Davis and in, in, uh, Oil. Let's go, up. baby. Plus, fun. plus, I know it's not in San Diego. Right. Did I say San Diego? L.A. Chargers. You did. Sorry, but that's okay. I'm too old now. Uh, the L.A. Chargers is where did Kavanoy have his greatest game ever? In the Chargers Stadium. In the 2012 Poinsettia Bowl. It's not in San Diego. It'd be in L.A., of course, but he plays well in there. SoFi Stadium. Yeah. Just sort of that like Charger vibe, maybe. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I think that would be a good fit for him for sure. All right. Yesterday, we found out that Steve Young was not happy. <laughs> he wasn't invited to the alumni game. Listen to this. Who makes the invitations, and who do I need to go after, and who do I need to go see right now and <laughs> strangle? You know, for for the lack of respect. Uh-oh. Wrangle. All right. Jack, who put the game together, tweeted the following in response. I am Jack. Did you say that? Dumani? Dumuni. Dumuni. Okay. Thank you for the correction. To the GOAT, Steve Young, I apologize and hope to get a big hug from you instead of being strangled. <laughs> Next year, it's on. Team Steve Young versus Team Jim McMahon. What do y'all think, Cougar Nation? That would be fun. That would be really Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. Now, now I, I do have you know I have, do have concerns. Steve obviously is offended. Feels like he can play. Uh, can no, can Jim surprised? still sling it? I, I don't know. I would be offended. Steve Young, how is he not invited? Well, I just don't want to. You know, I I just I just want to make sure they can play. But you can't be thinking about injuries when you don't invite him at that point, right? I'm talking about skill level. Stre- okay, skill yeah. level. I get that, but still extend the invitation. Because listen, Kay Federick came out and led some drives down. He was not chucking it. It was dinking and dunking. Yeah, and that was good sure. enough. I understand. That was good enough. I'd love to see a little more of, uh, you know, we were seeing Max throw it down the field. The play I, was a home. I definitely don't think he will miss out on an invitation in the future. No. And uh, yeah, Steve Young going to strangle Jack DeMooney. We Sir? were making headlines <laughs> yesterday. Let's go. Are you more of a May the 4th or Cinco de Mayo person? May the 4th. More, May the 4th like more Star Wars? Yeah. I love Star Wars. Yeah, I, I love both. Yeah. I can't say it's not Cinco de Mayo. My Mexican mom's going to freaking kill me yeah. if I'd say so, it's not. Halloween, husband and I dress up as Chewie and Princess Leia. He has oh, a, full, a full Chewie. Yeah. He has a full Chewie thing? Yeah, he does. That's awesome. Yeah. And like should've the white, the white, like Leia. Set. Yep. Yep. Cool. Next year. Yep. We need Next a picture. Year. All right. Last season on BYU basketball with Mark Pope, we debuted two new BYU creamery flavors. Oh, yeah. Which now are available to purchase. Are you more of a Team Kalani Sataki Road or a Pope's post game snack fan? Full disclosure, I tasted both of these prior to being released publicly. It was a privilege like. of knowing Hema Hemuli. Thanks, Hema. 
Uh, Pope's post-game snack, ice cream with chocolate, Rice Krispies, chocolate chunks, and salted caramel. That's what you went with, huh? Caramel? Caramel? My initial would be Sataki Road. Mine was, po- Road. Mine was Pope's. Oh. Yeah. I'm looking for less, uh, you know, brownies, fudge, the chocolate, the, oh, the, nice uh, the pralines, though. Amazing. The pecan pralines. Okay, I'll have to road, try it. Both were incredible. You sold me. Half gallon for seven bucks of the BYU Creamery. BYU Creamery, that's free. You got to pay for the next one. That's right. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's bring in Carrie Roberts, who abandoned her husband. No, just kidding. The uh, law degree. So he's still practicing law, <laughs> just from just from home, yes. not the the building. Yes. Yeah, we talk about it in the deep blue of sort of that decision to yeah. come back to BYU. Yeah, and uh, that was a big moment for you. And huge. here you are, huge. Uh, yeah, heading to the NCAA regional next week. So congratulations. Yeah, on thanks. Making we're stoked. NCAAs. Yeah, thanks. We're stoked. They, the girls have done well. You know, they've earned it, and yeah. we're ready to go. Let's talk about what you're in the middle of literally right now. So, <laughs> Where'd you come from? <laughs> yeah, I came from practice. We're simulating a real tournament. Uh, they even have team uniforms on. We mix up the groups. And, yeah, I left on hole six. I'll probably be back before nine. So we're good. That's awesome. Yeah. How, are we, how are we doing right now in the simulation? They, they look great. Yeah. Some really good shots. Yeah. Very Playing cool. well. I mean, I don't know what the scores are because I, wasn't, I was only with one group. But, yeah, yeah it'll be close for sure. Well, we try to make it equal, you know? Yeah. You're headed to the Franklin Regional. Correct. I already played uh, in Knoxville, so that was a huge, yeah. huge tournament for you. How'd that help prepare? Good vibes. Yeah. Yeah, How'd we got good vibes. Um, we love Tennessee. I love, um, we love the food. We love the weather. We love the people. We obviously won there, so we have good vibes. So when they said Franklin, we're like, well, okay, great. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. We like Tennessee. Yeah. So I've heard good things about the course. I've never played the course, but they say it's straightforward right out in front of you. Which is good for us because we can make a whole lot of birdies. So awesome. Uh, the we did a uh, fan fest in Nashville a couple years ago. Okay, like one of the highlights of my life. Like really, like, it was amazing. <laughs> Nashville's Tennessee cool. is legit. Nashville's yeah. amazing. It's amazing how many people have reached out saying they know somebody or people yeah. wanting to host us. Yes, take oh, care of us. Oh, it's good incredible. alumni base. Yeah. It's incredible and leadership. We met yeah. them and they're super We're stoked. Organized. So yeah. hey, BYU Nation, let's go. Yeah, Come out. out. Come watch reach us. Out. Support. Monday, Ninth, Tuesday, Wednesday. Ninth through the eleventh, which is exciting. And you talked about good vibes. Your, your team's playing well. You just played well in Vegas. And Nikhachkovic has really emerged. Yeah, better on the awesome. show twice yeah, the last couple months. She's awesome because she's, she's awesome. Yeah. Um, what has it been like to see her kind of become your number one? Awesome. I mean, just honestly, it's been kind of emotional for me. It's been just a highlight because of she really struggled through the pandemic. You know, her game really struggled. Got in some to mm. some bad habits. And it was hard. Like, it was really hard. Um, and and she never quit. She never got discouraged. I mean, obviously, she was frustrated. But she just kept working and working and working, you know. And it was just like, don't give up. We'll figure it out. And she committed, went all in, and just, I mean, boom. I mean, it's awesome. When she got her first win, it was hard not to break down because it was just it, that's what that's what you do. That's what this is why we do this, right? Is those stories, those those success stories, and so it's been awesome. Yeah, she's just so tough. I mean, fierce competitor. 
You got two other players that join her on the all-conference team in Layla and Alicia. And so talk to us about those three and, and are they going to lead you? Like what, yeah, absolutely. you know, in internationals, how they're playing so well. Yeah, so Alicia's always been a rock, you know. I mean, if you followed us, I mean, she has been consistent, right? I mean, she's just so good. I mean, you <laughs> you play again, if you just can't make a mistake because she's not going to make a mistake. She's always clutch. And then Leela just has the ability to just go so low. Um, she crushes it, just hits it so far, you know, has that ability to make so many birdies. Um, and then, honestly, our four and five, I'm like, they're the ones that have come through for us. You know, Adeline was clutch. Um, early on, and I mean, Kirsten's starting to play really well, so that's that's pretty sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> but you never know, you know, we got to go do it, you always have to earn it. So, you've been to nationals before, mm-hmm. um, recently. What would it take for this group to do it again? And, and you got to be what top four, top four, yeah, just toughness, honestly. You just got to be the toughest team and just stay in it the whole time, you know, just literally just execute your game plan, execute shot by shot. Really just you just can't worry about the outcome, which is so hard, right? And just don't ever give up. That's our message is just everything you have on every shot and don't give up. How do you not worry about outcome um, in, in golf? Because <laughs> what, 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 so like hard. when I golf, it, it's uh, so hard. I'm like, oh my gosh, I quadruple bogey again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing is you just never know, right? Like, and people tell me like, gosh, you have to care less. I'm like, are you kidding me? How do I care less? You know, you but can't either. There's no way. No. Yeah. And so, but you can care less about the outcome and care a lot about the process. Yeah. Right. right. And so that's what should matter to you is how well did you commit? How well did you execute? Right. Mm. That should matter to you because if you didn't, I mean, that's all you can control. You can't control outcome, right? Like we'd all shoot 54 if we could. I'd win everything. So it's really preaching, preaching, preaching. Like you have to matter or it has to matter to you how well you committed on that shot. Like, right? Like was I worried about hitting it long? Was I worried about – and did that affect you? Little things like that. Like care about the effort that you gave. Mm. Where's been the biggest progress that you've seen in these players? And you talk about, you can't always focus on the end, right? It's about the progress. And that's so important. Maybe some individuals that stand out to you that have made huge jumps in their game or just overall as a team. Well, that's funny that you said that because we were just watching Adeline. Adeline's wedges were kind of her weakness. And, and I mean, just literally she, you know, hit, hit a wedge shot to, you know, she had two in a row inside 10 feet, you know, and it was great because Anika, you know, she's one of the ones like, wow, her wedge is just in the last little bit have been so good, you know, gotten so much better. So little things like that, you know, physical improvements, trying to make those weaknesses strengths. Um, you know, you've seen the improvement with Kirsten, you know, we have a great story about her driver, you know, she gets fitted by a, you know, expensive fitter. And, and I love this guy, like he's usually right on, but he missed this driver. Right. And, and literally her driver is just like, yeah we're like what in the world that's not her so I literally went to the pro shop I did the same thing with Anique I went into the pro shop grabbed a driver that I felt like she could hit and she's got it in the bag I mean just out of the pro shop and so little improvements (laughs) like that you know make all the difference and so we're just trying to get better every day anyway any way we can You've been super supportive of all the BYU teams, especially the women's sports. Um, where does that come from? Because I know you were part of a group yeah. that went to the national championship for Jen Rockwood, and I'm imagining yeah. all of them showing up at nationals. If you make it right, like, oh, come let's on, go. come on, yeah, throwing that out there. That picture is really cool, by the yeah. way. Yeah, you know, it's a community, right? And and you know, Dilji and us and and all the female kind of coaches sat down and and tried to meet, get together and and it's just kind of grown from that. You know, these lunches that we've had. Is that called, monthly? 
No, no, no. Literally semester, semesterly. Yeah, yeah because yeah. we're, I mean, everyone's so busy. What are you guys busy? Yeah, a little bit, right? Like, but you know, our next activity is golf, golfing. So, nice. yeah, nice. so that should be who's fun. Who's the best golfer? I don't know, you uh, know. You can't say yourself. Yeah. I, 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 oh, Jen's pretty good. Rockwood's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. Yeah. 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 I've never seen all of them play. I actually did see, see Heather and Dilji hit a few, and I could probably you safely know, say Rockwood. a little work. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, Heather, a lefty, I believe. I've never yeah. seen Holly play, yeah. though, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You know, tennis, well, then we'll have to do everybody's sport. You know, maybe sure. some PKs, you yeah. know. Yes. <laughs> Some serve awesome. some spikes <laughs> but it's just it's fun it's fun to be a part of a community um it's fun just to support each other to know that they have your back because they know exactly what you're going through right like yep. it's it's hard this coaching job and at times it's really hard and so when you know just to know that people have your back and are supporting for you and you know it's it's huge it's everything do you how ha- do you get Hattie B's when you're in uh, Hot Chicken when That's you're in hear. Nashville, hot, or, or do you bees. avoid messing uh, your stomach up for this? Seriously, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, we got to be strategic. But if you follow our BOU Women's Foodie page, BOU Women's Golf Foodies page, Instagram, um, I get more comments about that page than our normal Instagram. Say it, say it one more time. I, I don't know. I think it's BOU uh, W Golf Foodies. Um, what is it, Austin? What is it, Austin? Women's BYU. Golf Foodies. All spelled out, BYU Women's Golf Foodies page. Okay. We'll so Instagram, that. everyone awesome. follow. Oh, every, I can't tell you how many people just tell me, like, oh, I love that <laughs> page. Like, And then they ask me recommendations and these cities. Like, we try to eat well, you know, try yeah. to experience that city. And cool. it's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Being on the golf team in college, it's a good time. It's Hanging a good out with time. Roberts, it's, it's a, a good, good time. time. Yeah. yeah. Well, congrats on all the success. Thanks, appreciate we'll it. Good luck. To you next Thanks for stopping. Thanks for Appreciate okay. it. Thanks. Good the best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The Big 12 is a year away for BYU. It comes with a new schedule, one with eight or nine conference games. That's still TBD, plus non-conference, of course. Cougars like to challenge themselves, and they will be unlike any other group in program history, Dave. But how many Power 5 games do you want on a schedule, and do you want Utah to be one of them in every year in football in the Big 12 era? I don't care how many P5s are on the schedule, as long as that one is on the schedule. BYU and Utah, they should play every year. They've played almost every year since 1922, I think. Uh, Yeah, and play at the first game of the year. Let all the talk go all summer long. Have jets fly overhead before they come out. And let us celebrate life with the biggest game in the state. It's a statewide celebration. It's got to be played every year. I I don't even care if the ramifications of our schedule might be too tough or this or that. This is why fans pay money to go to the football game. This is why they put on a BYU or a Utah shirt. It is for this week and this game. And then everything else, you know, has its place. A Pac-12 championship, a Big 12 championship, without question. That would be huge. And will it happen every year? No. Will this game happen every year? It can. It's very controllable, right? Um, from the, the year I moved to Utah as a kid was 1995, and I started going to this game. And I went to this game in person there or here every year until I became the producer of Countdown to Kickoff, and I couldn't go out to the game. Right. I'd stay here until 2012. So this game means so much to me personally. I know you love it as well. Yes, I agree with you. I would love for BYU to play Utah every year in the Big 12. 
I don't know that that's a big uh, question or concern with fans. To me, it's the next step. It's, okay, do you also want another high-profile Power 5 game on the schedule? Because as you alluded to, Utah has said, we sort of have this ABC option here. If we don't play BYU, we're gonna, we have to replace it with someone that's significant. Florida is the game the next two years, so they don't play BYU. Um, and the, but I think for the Cougars, I still want Utah. I am undecided still. I love the idea, of course, but I'm talking, what's, what's the point of BYU football? It's, it's to win. It's to compete. It's to entertain, and it's to bond the alumni. Right, those, because that's where the true money comes from. Sure, people sending their kids to school, buying yeah. their shirts, and yeah. and investing. Would the Big Twelve schedule and Utah be enough to sort of supply um, a compelling schedule every year without uh, another team? So, for example, next year BYU is going to play perhaps the toughest schedule it's ever played because it's going to play a Big Twelve schedule, and it's not going to get rid of Tennessee on September second right. or at Arkansas in Week Three on September sixteenth. BYU is not going to say no to those two. So uh, you're going to play at least 10 Power 5 games, perhaps 11 if the league chooses 9. We still don't know that. So that's my question is, do you still want that next game? Like if you have a chance to play at Oregon or Alabama or whatever, do you say no because, oh, we already have a really tough schedule? I I wonder what BYU does. I would lean on the BYU is going to say yes to the High-profile games. They've not said no in the past, it feels like. But they've they, needed the games as an independent. They've needed the games. Yes. They've needed Utah. Utah's not needed BYU, and they've often said that. We don't need you guys anymore. Right. We're over here. Right. Well, when BYU's in the Big 12, neither need team it. needs each other. So will BYU still choose it? Yeah. I wonder. Because I so. in 23, they will. They will choose it. Um, but in 24, at Utah's schedule, do you still play at NC State? Now, you say, NC State, is that that big of a tough of a game? No. So I would say that one's fine. I'm talking about them way more high-profile ones. Like, look at 26. You've got to cancel several of these already, right? you got Arizona. you got at Miami. I love that game. At Miami, we can resurrect the 90 highlights, right? We don't resurrect the 89 highlights of that game either. Like, at Virginia Tech. Which one do you keep and why? But, But don't give me Utah Tech in place of Utah. Don't give me Idaho State in place of Utah. And, and it's never going to not be a tough game. But you're charging me top dollar. And, and every year you raise my prices. Utah went to the Rose Bowl, got a big payday. They Wait a minute, Dave, you went paying. They, but I'm talking about the fan in general. <laughs> I've got to work those games. But Utah went to the Rose Bowl, got a big payday. They turned around and raised ticket prices 11% for this coming season. They didn't send their boosters, hey, here's a check back. Fan, That's I know we've been gouging checks. you for years. Here's some money back because we want all this money. It's like, no, how can we get more? Yeah. And when BYU joins the Big 12, they're going to raise ticket prices. It's just going to happen. It's what, these, it's what businesses do. So as a fan, we're continuing to pay. And you know what? The schedule really doesn't affect our individual life. It might affect the coach who's getting millions of dollars. It might affect the players who are getting money. We're paying them through NIL. Everyone's getting money. The fan is the one paying the money. Give them at least one game that they – have built their life around, that they're obsessed with, that yeah. the media is obsessed with, yeah. that's a state holiday type thing, and, and have it be this game. And once you decide we're playing it every year, then the debate goes away, and then you work with the rest of the schedule. But BYU doesn't get to play Texas every year in the Big 12, and Utah can only play USC one time. They're not every week. And a lot of those other games are like, they're so-so games. The BYU-Utah game is never a so-so game in the state. Yeah, it's always compelling, no matter, you know, perhaps the most compelling game ever was 2000 when neither game – Team made a bowl game. Like, yeah. It was crazy, right? Lavelle's last game. So let's play this out. Like, realistically, I think when BYU gets to the Big 12, the goal is, okay, uh, go 500 or better. 
right? Like be in a non-conference, hopefully you're two and one, three and one or whatever. And now you're in the eight, nine range and you're compelling. You're interesting, right? You want to get to the 10 plus range and go six and two in league and play in a big 12 title and whatnot. If you stack too many in non-conference, you just risk sort of having a season that matters. Although what will matter when BYU is in the big 12? Beating Utah always matters. Uh, and then you want to get to the Big 12 title game and see if you can't win that and be in a New Year's Six for the first time ever. To get there, you've got to be that good. And as independent, independent BYU hasn't been, they haven't been deep enough. So that's what we're seeing here in this offseason. When they, when they join the Big 12, they'll be deep, deeper than they've ever been. This next season, as you mentioned, maybe the toughest schedule ever after last season, which may be the toughest schedule ever, they're going to be deeper, bigger, stronger. Uh, those are the teams that play tough schedules and – Get 10 wins and go play in the big games. And so that's where they got to go no matter who they play. Yeah. Um, I just hate for them to, to turn around and, and, uh, and not play Utah um, because it, it, of all the 12 games, it's the one you can count on. It's the one game that everyone talks about the other 11 months yes. on both sides. Even Utah State fans, I think, talk about BYU and Utah. <laughs> I don't think that BYU is going to play Utah State and Boise State very much. I'm okay not doing that. Like, there are other games to be had, yeah. but again, how tough do you want it to be? And I, I want to ask you this, too. So what Utah has done, replaced BYU with a game that they perceive as better, more high profile. Would you be okay in the future if BYU didn't play Utah in lieu of one of those games? Like, if BYU says, you know what, we value the at Miami game in 26 more than playing Utah. Are you okay with that? Or is there a certain level of team that you would say, yes, playing Clemson, neutral site on ABC, I'm cool with that instead of Utah? Or do you want to add it to Utah? I'd add it. I'd add it, and I'd put Weber State in between. And or FCS. Idaho State. You have to have an FCS. Something. Just throw it on. So you don't have to do murder's row. But, and, and not every Big 12 team is uh, Oklahoma. Right. Or Oklahoma State. And they're going away in two years. Once yeah. Is yeah. And a lot of those Big 12 teams will be looking forward to playing us because we're not there yet. And so, you know, Kansas might be going, I can't wait to play BYU. Well, then they'll find out BYU is pretty good. But, you know, it's not like they're following us out west going, oh, man. You know, they're probably thinking of Cincinnati or Houston oh, or some of those guys. Oh, Cincinnati and Houston right yeah. now are two big guns coming right. in, although they will fade. Like, remember yeah. UCF a couple years ago? Oh, oh yeah. only lost like one game in two years. They go away. BYU broke them in that bowl game. They just broke them. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so. Cincinnati will be good, yeah. but they're going to be the – what they've done the last two years was incredible. Like, that was their 83 and 84. And they BYU have a chance. Football. They're looking the same way as BYU. They say, hey, we're now in the Big 12. Now we can get bigger, stronger, faster. They're feeling like they can come into the league and win it right, right. away, given the way they've played. But, again, they just had, like, five dudes drafted. Like, they had an unbelievable group. It, it, can they simulate that at this level? Like, I think it, it goes – for me, it goes back to entertainment. And we're in the entertainment business. I'm thinking of Countdown to Kickoff. I'm thinking of after – for the review, I'm thinking of this show. And I'm thinking, uh, you know – Life is tough, and it's hard, and reality's out the door and waiting to beat you down. Sports should still be the invigorating, fun thing, and there's no more enjoyable game. And, and, and take it from a guy who we've covered the last, what, nine BYU-Utah games and the U-28 of them or something like that? Yep. Uh, we that still want the game. That wasn't any fun for us, but the buildup and the game and the energy. Last year when the History. Jets flew over the stadium and then the teams came out, it didn't even matter that it rained a little bit. BYU had lost forever. Uh, but the buzz in the stadium was, all right, this is why we went and we got here an hour early and we parked in the boondocks and we bought a cougar tail and a hot dog and I got all my family here and we're going to watch this game. I don't know if we're going to win or not, but this is as big as it gets in the state of Utah. And then the next week, 
all right, we go to play Baylor, and Utah goes and plays USC, and they move on to their respective chases of the conference dreams and the bigger bowls. But give us one night. Yes. Give us one night. Exactly. Are there relatives you love more than jets flying over Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Like, just a couple? Well, my mother. <laughs> it's Mother's the, Day. The jets are always awesome. But right? I'll tell you what. Or nothing jets. says Nothing says this is a special event like than jets. when jets buzz over. It's true. Yeah. They, don't, they don't show up at the, uh, you know. The game's on I think BYU we're going to have some for the Baylor game. I have a feeling. Just Ooh. a gut feeling. Just a gut feeling. Wait, a gut feeling or gut insider feeling. info here? It's a gut feeling deep inside, <laughs> which makes it insider info. Yeah, yeah very insider. <laughs> uh, Eric Smith of the USA Today, as you mentioned, Kristen, released a post-spring top 25 at BYU at number nine. As Joey Lawrence said, whoa, but nice. <laughs> Baylor at 12 as well, by the way. Notre Dame, 13. Oregon, 14. Arkansas, 21. Luckily, it's an easy Future schedule. Future opponents this year. This ball. Uh, is this a super blue goggle take or nah? Nah. Really? Yeah. I'm going to say it's a good take. Hand I me, do. Hand me those blue okay, goggles. Right. Let's blue go. goggle Let's alert. see if I can reach them. Blue goggle alert. <laughs> why Here's not? Why. why not? Here's why. I, th- I think if you look at all the factors that he put into ranking them ninth. Okay. Okay. Staying healthy, I think they can stay healthy. The return of Jaron Hall, who's a dynamic offensive player, and with the offensive line that we're returning to be right in front of him, allow him to open up the playbook, allow him to be versatile. He took fantastic care of the ball this last year. Then you look at the production on defense that we're bringing back. Mm-hmm. 97% of our defensive production coming back. All right, Pretty good. So last year they were ranked 117th going into the season in production returning. We went 10-3. and three. This year coming in, overall, we're at 80%. Why, why ninth? Why not uh, you know, fourth? Well, that's what I'm saying. They, they still got to prove <laughs> some stuff. But, yeah. but I think they're a top 10 team, barring they stay healthy. All, all the stars have to align, right? And that's partly what he said. They got to stay healthy, but they have a lot of talent returning. Okay, argue it. I can yeah, tell you're, you're listen, fidgeting. Yes. Uh, if the stars align, yes. Okay. Uh, BYU can certainly do something incredible. My concern isn't Brigham, although I want to talk about that. My concern is expecting last year to repeat itself. Let's talk about it. Was last year uh, uh, and, and uh, anomaly sort of this exceptional, amazing season, or was this the new norm? We hope it's the new norm. We hope that after 10 years of independence, that BYU figured it out. They're tougher in the trenches. They have better quarterback play, that they're putting out NFL guys, Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, who's the next guy after that? Da, da, da. <laughs> that Jacob Conover, who knows? Tyler Algier, the offensive line, Aaron Roderick is the OC. We can handle these schedules. That's what our hope is. It really is, okay? Let's talk about what historically uh, kind of has been the situation is that last year was an outlier. We hope it's not. I'm just saying it probably was. We hope it's not. Sure. BYU went 10-3. and three with limited production coming back. That was amazing. Yeah. That was incredible. Tyler Algier, we had never seen a season like that. 1,600 yards, single-season record, 23 touchdowns. He was amazing. We haven't seen that before. We can't just be like Christopher Brooks. You're the guy. We hope that the combination of a better offensive line with an experienced Christopher Brooks. It out, right? Like Christopher Brooks can be like a 1,200-yard guy that's similar, right? Maybe Lopini Cotel ups his uh, you know, game. The fact that BYU went 6-1 and one versus 7 Power 5s was unbelievable. That's not an every-year thing that's going to happen for BYU. In fact, that really happens for anybody um, in Power 5, that you play that many. And let's be honest, the Pac-12 was down. BYU took advantage. It was awesome. We hung a banner, much of the chagrin of the Crimson to the north. Like, it was fun. We did it. It was great. 
I don't expect BYU every year to have Tyler Algier-like rushing numbers. Or Jaron Hall took care of the ball at an amazing rate as well. We hope that continues. And that BYU performs against a schedule like that in the same manner. That's my concern. It's like, whew, the combination of those things was amazing. And that's why BYU goes 10-3. and three. And the hope is that this year, against, to me, a tougher schedule. Because, look, BYU didn't walk into last year with four preseason top 25 teams. You're looking at Oregon and Baylor and Notre Dame and Arkansas as four legit teams. Now, listen to this. I looked this up this morning. How many times has BYU actually defeated two teams that finished in the top 25? Is it fair to say that we think two of those four will finish top 25? Is that fair? I think that's fair. Okay. How many times has BYU beaten two teams in a season that finished top 25? I know this answer. The answer is three times ever. <laughs> three. One time was last okay, year. It was okay, Utah and here, Utah State. Here's 80, the thing. 90, hold on. 96. BYU did it twice. Wyoming, Kansas State. And 83. UCLA and Air Force. It's been a while. 84 didn't play anybody. That's why they win the Natty. They didn't play a single team that finished in the top 25. I think if Glenn, the schedule would take is offense to that. truly <laughs> that hard, you're always going to lose multiple games. I, right? I, okay, I understand your yeah. point. I yeah. do. But as long as the team is beatable at that moment, do you know what I'm saying? You come into these big games, you take on some of these big teams. We talked about them, right? And, and some of them ranked uh, 14th, 13th, 21 in that USA Today poll. And BYU ranked above all? Right, above all of them. Okay. But it's, it's like the Utah game. We talked a little bit about this. It's that Utah game where they don't quite look the best maybe when you play them, so they're a beatable team at the time. Mm-hmm. But then they look great at the end. I mean, yeah. they're a Utah team that wins the Pac-12, win. yeah. goes to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Okay. So depending on where the other teams are at, where your opponents are at, I think there's a great chance that this can hold true or just being a top 10 team. Obviously, they have to win games, I mean, and stay healthy. And that's why I'm saying – as long as all those things align, there is great potential with this holding true. Yes, the high, the, the high end for this group on this schedule is really exciting because of who BYU returns. I think we, what, what most BYU fans, what I think you're talking about, is the controllable, which is like, what do we think we know we have? We don't know exactly what the run game is going to be. We sure. feel like the O-line is going to be incredible. We think that Jaron Hall can replicate what he did, which is take care of the ball, be super efficient, run when he needs to, like Russell Wilson-like stuff. I just think the opponents, the, the uncontrollable, I just think the opponents are going to be tougher. Like, beating USC in the Coliseum was awesome. What if USC was actually, like, pretty good? Because USC wasn't good last year. That, yeah. BYU, BYU went in there, took care of business. USC wasn't good. Like, if BYU plays the same USC this year, it's going to be yeah, different. It might not go the same. Yeah. Right? When BYU went down to Baylor... It was tough. I think BYU has multiple of those games this year. That's what I'm saying. Is, and don't forget, a Boise State and a UAB can pop up. And BYU, BYU's two best wins of the year by AP rank were teams they, they beat at the time that got way better. Yeah. Utah, Utah State. Yeah. Which, which if you're UAB, you caught BYU at the worst time. It's worst time. Um, so timing matters like you're talking about. So it'll be interesting. And that's the fun part is, listen. We talk right now. We're like oh, Arkansas is twenty. It's it's hype for us stink. to talk about, right? It's for us. Yeah, ultimately, until terrible. we hit the fall, it, it won't matter. Yes, and we hope that a couple of these teams are like we hope that Oregon is in a massive rebuild this year, mm-hmm. and that BYU goes into Autzen, take care, takes care of business. The nation goes, ooh, like BYU already beat Baylor. Yep. Uh, you know, two and zero, ranked the top twenty five early. Going to Oregon, beats Oregon. Oh, interesting. Near six conversation outside dark horse player. Like we want all that. Like we had this year when BYU was ranked tenth. Against Boise if, State, if it was at, awesome. If you look at the Power Five teams and, and the ones that are successful, 
depth is a crucial factor, mm -hmm. right? Our depth is getting better. It's trending the right way, I yes. would say. And, yes. and that was proven last year when we had players out. Other players stepped up, and we were able to go 10-3. and three. So Yes, and at the end of the season, it was like too much. Yeah. It was like, okay, you know what? When, you're, when a fourth-string walk-on's playing in the secondary, like they're doing their best, and I appreciate those reps, but that can be hard, right? Even, you can even lose to UAB uh, as a 10-win uh, ranked you know, future Power 5 team. So I'm not saying BYU is not going to do this. I'm just saying historically, when you play four teams of that caliber, if they end up like that, they won't. It's just how many. It's, it can be It'll tougher be than you think. I agree. Like, like if 84 played this schedule, they're losing multiple games. And they're not the next. That's just yeah. the reality of the situation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's bring in Brady Papinga to talk about all things BYU football, playing Utah, Big 12, NIL, lots to discuss with the former Super Bowl champion. Brady, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what's up, guys? Always a pleasure to jump on with you. Thanks for coming on. We, uh, we always know you bring a strong opinion and well-thought-out and researched uh, opinion, so let's go. Okay, first off, let's start with our question of the day. When BYU joins the Big 12, obviously it's going to be a tougher slate, eight or nine conference games, still TBD there, but we were asking the question, should BYU still play Utah every single year? Why not? I mean, they're, they're what, 40, 40 minutes up the road there? I mean, why wouldn't you? It's BYU of the north. You got Whittingham up there. You got a bunch of guys that are former BYU guys. I mean, Kalani used to coach there. I just don't, it's just, it's a brotherhood. You know, it's a familiar thing. All of a sudden, what? You guys are going to be in, you know, different parts of the country. As a family, you're just not going to talk or interact anymore. Pretend, oh, we're not, we're not going to be, we're just pretend you don't exist. I know you're 40 minutes down the road there. That's stupid. Let's just be reasonable here. You got to keep the rivalry going. Uh, you got to play each other. I know it's taxing emotionally and all those kinds of things on each program, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's, to me, it's the right thing to do because you're so close and you're so interconnected in so many different ways that it would be just a shame to, to not compete. And the reality is, is Utah proved last year. You can go through the gauntlet of playing BYU and also your, your, your conference schedule and still win the conference and uh, have a phenomenal season, even though you may even lose to your, uh, your rivalry. So I know and, and, you know, so many people over in Utah, you guys are nuts. Winning and losing that game does not determine the success or failure of the season. I hate when people say that. It's just one game. That was great. It's fun. It's emotional because it is interconnected, like I talked about. But Utah also proved that. I mean, they had a phenomenal – they almost, if they could have just had some safety over-the-top help against Ohio State, they almost won the Rose Bowl for the first time in the history of the program. I mean, that would have gone down as one of the greatest seasons in Utah football history, and they lost to our BYU Cougars. So – it has to happen, and it's good for both programs, and it's good for the community as long as everybody keeps it in the perspective and doesn't go absolutely just crazy drunk on this kind of stuff because most people don't get drunk on alcohol. They get drunk on the rivalry game. And as long as people can stay sober, guess what? We're going to be good. Everybody's going to be fine. And it, like I said, it's going to be mutual beneficial for both programs, and that's really what it's all about. The zealots on the fringes certainly like to uh, have their say, but you're right. Uh, the, the bulk of the state – 
loves and appreciates this game and and uh, neighbors against neighbors, family members against family members, and as you mentioned, teammates who used to play with each other in high school uh, in that game. What do you think of the mentality of now that BYU is going into the P five as well? This argument that the schedule's just too hard. We can't have. 11 or 12 really hard games. We've got to have some cupcakes in there if we want to get to the promised land, which so few teams ever get to. Well, there has to be some schedule balance. You know, as long as the playoff is going to be a challenge um, and as long as other teams are doing it, you know, in terms of they're softening their schedule up so that they can basically just focus their energies on their conference games, you have to, you have to be reasonable. You know, I experienced that when we played at BYU. I mean, we played, like, the first three weeks. It was, like, Notre Dame, Stanford, USC, Boise State when they had the 50-some-odd game home winning streak. I mean, it was a gauntlet. And it's like, yeah, it might have been nice to throw Murray State in there. It might have been nice to throw Weaver State. I don't know. You know, so that you have to be reasonable with your scheduling. You just can't, you know, play this gauntlet of a schedule because it's inherently going to put you at a great disadvantage. I mean, you got to look at the big picture. You know, if you really want to win a conference championship, if you really want to win a national championship, you have to adapt according to the environment. You know, and if there was a playoff that had, let's say, 16 teams and it was about playing your best ball at the end of the year, which, by the way, that's a true that's a true uh, you could call it structure. That's how every other sport in the history of sports has been. Then, yeah, you may you may not be afraid to take some chances, you know, and travel across the country or play some teams at home. It actually helps the regular season because, you know, that if you lose those games, or you, you come out of them you know, kind of struggling, it's not going to be the death knell to your to your chances of winning a conference championship or even making the playoff to to win the whole thing. So you have to be adaptive, you know, and I think Tom does a nice job of that. Kalani's, they're both very reasonable in, in regards to that, and they understand that. And so uh, you just got to go according to the environment. We're talking with Brady Paping on BYU Sports Nation. We're talking about this too. We don't know if BYU is going to play eight or nine conference games in the Big 12. Certainly if they play eight, there is room for more high-profile games outside of just Utah, right, which is high profile regardless of how good or bad the Utes are. Um, it, let's say it's nine conference games. You only have three non-conference games. Do you still want BYU to schedule a high profile other game that isn't Utah in the non-conference? Or is Utah enough uh, to try and, hey, compete in the Big 12 and play in the best bowl you can? Well, I mean, in the current situation, yeah, you're going to, I would say you play Utah and then you find a couple of teams that are, you call them basically glorified practices. You know, you get your starters out there, get them lathered up, and then you get your second guys in there and let them kind of develop, helps your program. Uh, but like I said, you just don't want to overtax yourself in all those non-conference games because the conference games are so vital just to have a chance, not only to win the conference, but to have access to the playoffs. So uh, like I said, if the playoff expands to where you have eight, 12, 16 teams, okay, then you can schedule up. You know, you can go after the best schedule possible knowing that, that challenge is going to only help your team gain momentum as they start to enter into the latter parts of the season when that's really where you want to be peaking. And in a true playoff system, that's what it rewards. It rewards the teams that make the greatest incremental improvement from week one all the way to the end of the regular season. And so, like I mentioned in my previous answer, it's all about the scheduling environment. It's all about how you win the conference, how you win the championship, how you gain access to winning the national championship. Uh, so, I would say in the current situation, you play Utah and then you find really two two teams that are glorified practices and you take it from there. And then if things change, you, you look to schedule up. I like what you said there about access. Access is now what BYU will have along with every other P5 in the country when they join the Big 12 here in 14 months. How do you think they'll do out of the gate? And as far as long-term success, 
How long do you think it'll take before they contend for a Big 12 title? Well, the positive is, so if you compared it, you know, no, the best thing I could do is just kind of compare it to what other teams have gone through, whether it's Utah or TCU, when they transitioned from the Mountain West to uh, the Big 12 and Pac-12, respectfully. Um, they both struggled tremendously because it was such a jump from the Mountain West Conference to those bigger conferences. And, and the biggest adjustment you have to make, I remember this in, in, uh, in the pros, you know, and you hear coaches talk about this too, uh, is that every single week you're playing top-notch talent. I remember the NFL, it's like, you know, uh, every week you're playing like unbelievable running backs and offensive players. And then I compared that to college. It's like, okay, we play USC. Okay, we're playing Reggie Bush. We're playing Lindell White. We're playing Matt Liner. We're playing phenomenal talent. And then the next week you're just playing guys. You're like, these guys wouldn't even make our second team. You know, <laughs> this is a bad team. We're going to beat these guys. And, that, and it would kind of be like that, and especially like when you're in the Mount West. Now, when you get to the to these P5 conferences, every single week it is a grind. Every single week you have to show up sharp, ready to go. You cannot afford to have a down week to where you have any letdowns or else you're going to get beat, even though you're fully capable of beating that opponent. And so to me, it's a mindset change. And the positive with BYU is their independent schedule has actually been even more of a challenging schedule, in my opinion, than a traditional P5 schedule because the majority of the top P5 teams that they've had to play as independents have either been neutral fields or away games. They haven't had many trotting into Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That's not going to be the case when they have a P5 schedule. They're going to have a nice balance of having to go visit these top teams, and then they're going to have to come to the mountains and play in the elevation and that dry heat, whether it, you know it's at the start of the season. So uh, BYU is more prepared than both TCU and Utah were in jumping up to a P5 schedule because that's just kind of what they've been doing over the last you know four or five, six years, maybe 10 years since they started independence but even a more difficult sense. So I don't think there's going to be as big of a transition period for BYU football. Uh, but the biggest thing they're still going to have to deal with is this, this image, this self-image idea. I do think last year that was a big reason why they were successful, uh, and that's because it was a validation outside of themselves. That, hey, we are a P5 program. We just got accepted to the Big 12. You know, for years you kind of had to have that mentality on your own, which is far more difficult and at times – you felt lesser than you felt like, man, maybe we are P5 because there wasn't as much success against P5 program. So uh, with the schedule they've had independence, I see BYU stepping in, depending on, again, their, their roster. You know, if they, they lose Hall and, you know, you're rebuilding your offensive line and defense, you lose all your playmakers and you got to rebuild. Okay, that's by nature, whether you were part of the P5 program or the P5 conference for, you know, 10 years or not, that's going to be a transition because you got to got to got to develop guys to, get into those crucial roles. But if, you know, you got established quarterback, Hall's still around and a bunch of these other guys still around, maybe they make some hay in the transfer portal, knowing that guys are going to be able to step right in and play in that environment at BYU, which is electric, and then, you know, play top college football uh, or P5 conference type football, you know, they could do well, you know. So, I mean, like this team this year would be right at the top of the Big 12. They would be right there contending as one of the top teams. Uh, but, again, next year is a whole other year. Talking to Brady Papinga on BYU Sports Nation, I agree with you. I think BYU got that like new dad strength as a Power Five engaged team, where it was like, "Hey, let's old go!" Old man strength. We've always had old man strength. Oh, always, always that uh, you know mature twenty-six-year-old offensive lineman return missionary. Well, by golly, if we can take care of our kids during night, we surely can go out and be an eighteen-year-old, can't we? Oh, heard that excuse from so many stupid. So 
rivalry head coaches, <laughs> stop making excuses. Go beat us. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Don't sit there and act like we're a bunch of old folks with these old man strength. Anyway, sorry, yeah. I went on a little tangent. There, no, I, I hate it, too. I hate it, too. It's therapy. Let, yeah. Let's talk to you about name, yeah. image, and likeness. Obviously, a huge conversation in, in uh, you know, college football and college sports right now. People, uh, you know, free agency, transported. To the, what are your thoughts on this new era of collegiate athletics, particularly in football around NIL? Well, the first thing, the fact that these guys that contribute so much value to a billion-dollar business, which is NCAA football, that we know of, by the way, uh, the fact that they're getting paid is, is phenomenal. They should get paid. They should get paid as much money as somebody is willing to pay them. That is what they call capitalism, ladies and gentlemen. And by golly, if you're going to go out and, and, and bring that much value, as some of these guys do, to that industry, you should be compensated. And I'm very happy that's the case. Now, the big concern you're hearing from a lot of people is, well, it's going to change the face of college football. You're going to be able to just cherry pick the best teams and buy the best teams. You get the boosters involved, and they're going to just pay these guys millions of dollars to come in and, and transfer through the transfer portal because it is so wide open. And, and we're just going to have these super teams. They're going to dominate the college football landscape. Well, for one – aren't there already kind of super teams as we know it, mm -hmm. Alabama, you know, Clemson, Ohio state. I mean, it's kind of been the same guys in that at ESPN invitational playoff for the last however many years. Right. I mean, you got, you know, a few outliers there, but what's, what's different there. Well, the thing that I find interesting is those same kind of teams are the ones that are complaining about this. And why is that? Well, the reality is ladies and gentlemen, to your naive ears, people have been paying for college football talent for years. And it's been illegal. And yeah, it's been the Alabamas. It's been the USC's. It's been these teams that have been elite. And uh, not a lot of it's been validated. But if you go talk to guys that have gone to these schools and, uh, you know, now that the landscape is where guys are getting paid, you will find that they got paid to go to those schools. And these schools now are upset. They lost their competitive advantage to recruit. Who really wants to go to Tuscaloosa or, uh, you know, wherever, Tuscal whatever the name of that town is in Alabama? Who really wants to go there? Come on. Yeah, if you pay guys six figures. Yeah, he'll go there if, he, if he's making more money. Same with other places. But now that advantage is gone. So they're complaining, oh, this is terrible for college football. No, it's terrible for you guys because you, go, you, go, you don't no longer have this advantage because you're willing to break the rules or find a system that circumvents these rules. Now everybody can pay legally. Uh, the second thing is I hear a lot of the, the, these former players that are coming out saying how it's terrible for the game and it's going to ruin the game as college football. Well, you're being a player hater. I, I find it to be more of a sense of jealousy than a sense of reasonability in, in terms of, of saying that it's going to ruin the whole game because guys are getting paid. Because the reality is, guys, you look at all the professional sports. Baseball is a great example. New York Yankees, they, can, they attempt to buy championships on a yearly basis, okay? They don't do it. They don't win the championship every year, okay? In uh, the NFL, there have been a number of years to where teams in free agency have attempted to buy themselves a championship, couldn't do it. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they were some of the most active uh, players in the free agent market for the last four or five years, paying guys tons of money. And uh, we know how they ended up. Yeah, they picked number one overall, which means they were terrible last year. So that's the same in, the, in college football. Building a team is a lot more than just raw talent. Building a team is about loyalty, cohesiveness, chemistry. It's about having guys from the grassroots that are walk-ons, zero star, that got paid nothing that came in and became prominent players. And look at the BYU Cougars. You had two of the best players, arguably, on the team, and Tyler Algier and also Peyton Wilger, that are walk-ons. These grassroots guys that came in with hardly, you know, any fanfare now are two of their top players. That's what builds a program. And so it's going to take more than just paying for players to create super teams. 
It's going to take actually team building capabilities. Now you got to give credit to guys like Nick Saban, you know, although they were able to pay for players before it was actually legal. Uh, he's done a phenomenal job of building good teams. I mean, those guys are some of the best team players you'll find when you talk about Alabama players. And so it's still today, the same as it's been always in college football, which is you still have to build the team to be successful. And there's a lot more to that than just going out and, and acquiring players and acquiring talent. Well said. Well said, as always. Brady, we always appreciate the insight into uh, everything and the real talk. Yeah. It's always a pleasure to jump out with you guys. Hope I didn't defend anybody. If I did, then uh, tough. Deal <laughs> then uh, deal with it. Yeah. Brady, thanks, man. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Big 12 leads all conferences in average net ranking this season. The ranking of 33. That's unbelievable, Dave. Yeah. Does this, average. Does this make you nervous in the conference for hoops? Uh, I, no, because I was already pretty sweaty thinking about playing <laughs> in the Big 12. The next closest conference average net ranking is the Big 10 at 57. Every game is a quad one or two minus like one in the big 12 it's going to be so crazy and because of all that i don't mind the seven player purge departure and rebuild prepare for it to prepare for that i'm i'm hoping byu isn't going to band-aid with grad transfers for this year because the big 12 is looming you got to have development for that i'd rather have them hang on to a scholarship and have an extra one to give out next year than to just give one out because you have it and, and, and give it to a player that, that you don't want to have around for the Big 12. Right. All these additions have got to be first-year Big, Big 12. Big 12 in mind. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of perhaps one or two. I'm not saying no graduates, but, yeah, let's go. Yeah. The NFL tweeted out a video of Tyler Algier's awesome punch against Arizona State. <laughs> Will Tyler ever top that play? No. No, there's no way you can top it. It'll be shown in every NFL game the, all next season, yeah. and we're going to show it to you again right now. This might be the one million time it's been aired on this program. Uh, Make it one million. More. I don't think you can top this. He's got some great plays ahead, but man, under the circumstances and what this play actually meant to prevent an Arizona State touchdown early in the season as they're trying to build their their uh, psyche for the rest of the way, this one that's a play of a lifetime. Think about what that meant. I'm not sure BYU wins that game if Arizona State scores right there. May not because they, they were losing not. momentum. Arizona State's about to take the lead. This is a 10-win season. We talk about BYU in very different terms if it's nine because no one cares about a single-digit season. Right. Win season. That play changed the entire narrative of BYU football. It's incredible. Yeah, that's why I think it stands alone, and we'll be looking at it for a long, long time. Kyle Van Noy made some sweet plays. He's got a new deal with the Chargers. Do you like him in powder blue? I think this is a good fit. Um, I, I think uh, he, he's going to play well. He's a veteran who knows what he's doing. He's not, he's not have the pressure of coming in and having to have a, a million tackles, a million interceptions. He's a veteran who will add to an already solid group. Uh, Justin Herbert's a good quarterback. Playing with house money. They underperformed a, bit a, lot, a little bit last year, but obviously you're in the same division now, though, with the Chiefs, who are awesome. Broncos just got Russell Wilson. That's a tough division. Raiders got a lot better. Raiders are better. Yep. Yeah. But they, uh, the Chargers are coming. I, I'd want to be in that group if I was Kyle Van Noy. He's, he's going to take or L.A. San Diego. Yep. The whole area is. Nice. He's going to he's going to be able to sack Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah. He's got uh, chances. Here. The NCAA Men's Hoops Rules Committee plans to clarify the definition of flopping and is discussing the option of calling a tech on a flop without a warning. They would do kind of this signal last year. 
Do you like this idea and how do you define flop? I don't like the idea because they don't even know a definition of the flop. And we've heard various officials explain it in all these games where, where to one official that is a flop and to the other one it isn't. So the players don't quite know. The one who's flopping does know that they're going to flop. And there's some guys who are really good at it. And every now and then we see video guys who are really bad at it. Um, I, I don't like the flop, but I still think it has to be a judgment call. We're still trying to figure out what is a charge and what is a block. And, and it's all in the interpretation of the official. Um, in the first half, they're this. In the second half, they're that. Drives the coaches nuts and the players. So I don't know if we can define what a flop is. It's just you, you know it when you see it. Right. Like and it bomb. should have some kind of penalty. Yes. But I think it needs a warning first. I want the warning as well because I don't trust the, the officials to be consistent like you talked about. They also talked about in this that the kind of the head whip coming off the screen for the, the uh, player with the ball um, could be called as a flop on the offense. Which is super interesting. Trying to sell well. some kind yep, of trying to sell it. Yep, the James Harden. Yeah. Right? Do you remember when the Pistons played? They just went out there and beat everybody up. That was basketball. Now we now we've now we're <laughs> Can't all have that anarchy again. That was nah. crazy, Dave. The it Jordan was, rules. We again. watched it though, didn't we? Uh, with LMU only having three conference games left for BYU softball, going to be hard for them to chase down first place. They always win first place, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. However, they're at large overall performance could still put them in the tournament which they always seem to go to 50 in rpi right now probably a good spot I've, i talked to the BYU coaching staff this morning they said they're focused on winning out and just seeing what happens from there I, i'm pretty confident if BYU wins out they're in a good spot 35 and 10 right now like in in league just the two losses to lmu BYU's playing great ball they got a great reputation program prestige i'm confident BYU's making the they should sweep pacific starting tonight with a double header let's go Former Utah offensive lineman Isaac Asiata tweeted out that there will be a BYU versus Utah Call of Duty tournament. Which BYU Cougar players are you recruiting for your esports squad? Dude? I'm not recruiting any. I'm not into that stuff. Come on. Call all the Coug Connect guys are who I'm getting. <laughs> Follow them on Twitter. Yeah. They're all. They're always I, playing. I'm going with those guys. I want all those guys. Yeah. Mason Wake and and uh, all the uh, Malik Moore and all the guys. Let's just yeah. make sure the two teams get out on the field every year. Play yes. football. Yes. Do in, it right. Not just in esports. Not just in esports. Okay. Then. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Well, Taylor Williams is a talented softball player, and as we learned last week on the show, the team uh, manicurist as well. Last week, uh, you guys discussed having Taylor do Spencer's nails. Well, here it is, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. We're making history today on BYU Sports Nation with the fabulous Taylor Williams of BYU Softball. Now, there's a reason that we're here and we're set up for a manicure that yours truly is going to receive for the first time in his life. Happy to report that. Uh, last week on BYU Sports Nation, Taylor came in. We talked about uh, the excellent skill that she has doing nails as well as being an incredible softball player. And so I said jokingly, hey, I need you to help out my cuticles. And you said, I got you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, walk me through the process. What's going to happen first here? Before okay, so first I'm going to push back your cuticles a little oh, bit. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. How did you get into this? Well, I've actually always loved to do nails when I was younger, but I did tons of toenails. <laughs> all my aunts, all my friends, I was always painting their toes. And now I'm just also exfoliating a little bit more of that cuticle off so it's not on your nail plate. 
in my way. And I'm also just prepping your nail plate, giving the the gel polish something to stick to. You're like the Renaissance woman on the field. Okay? <laughs> what position have you not played for BYU? Um, I haven't played first and I haven't caught, and I also haven't pitched, but I have pitched in college. You know, I keep telling Eakin that one of these games, he should just please let me play one inning of first and one inning of catcher so I can say I did it all. Yes, you, know? you need to play every position. I know. And just even throw to one batter? Come yes. On. Oh, we'll, just just throw, like, we'll just throw Taylor in yeah, there. Yeah, I just do it all, you know? And that's great. Okay, is this the gel being applied? Yes, this is your base coat. Base coat of gel. Okay, so we're going to do all your nails royal blue. Do you, what, what are you thinking? Decision. I have like this color. It's kind of sparkly. <laughs> don't know if you're feeling sparkly. I don't need we'll the sparkles. Okay, I, don't no need sparkles. The spa, I don't need the sparkles. Okay, maybe we'll do mostly. Okay, we'll see. We'll see what I'm feeling. You can tell everyone to go follow my Instagram. Okay, what is your Instagram? Okay, it's kind of it's kind of dumb, but it's T-Will did my nails. T-Will <laughs> <My laughs> did my nails. My sister made it up for me when I was in school, and I just have yet to change it. How long does this last? Three weeks. Three weeks. Or longer. Just depends. But yeah, so excited to have these on for three <laughs> weeks. Okay, this is my little art palette. I'm Kay. just going to put some of our colors we're going to use on it. Art palette. I use my thumb as my little second art palette. That doesn't it, like no. impact your nail no, at all? No, because it will only dry if it goes in the light, so I can just wipe it off. Oh, okay. Yep. There we go. Oh, that's it right there. Okay, this is looking good. Yep, it looks fantastic. up your mani with some cuticle oh, oil. Oh, the cuticle oil. And you can touch them. Touch my nails. Yeah. It's all good. I feel it's weird. I feel like my touch is going to fall off. Like, no! You just ruined everything! Oh, my God. Daily, that was so fun. Yes. Yeah, Thank so you fun. so much. Anytime you need it done again, you know, you're okay. a great client. I, I will gladly do it for you. T. Will did my nails. <laughs> In real life. In real life. <laughs> and the picture's on Instagram to prove it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That was so fun. <laughs> and that's why Spencer's nails were did yesterday. Good. So there you go. I saw them. She's dude. legit, dude. Oh, she freehanded all that. Not like I know what legit is in this She does sphere, her but... own and freehands it all. That's amazing. You know, if you, yeah, those that were watching, at least, if you could see, she had like this Cosmo the Cougar all on her thumb that she freehanded. It's insane. That is insane. Wow. Uh, you can catch uh, Taylor and the Cougs on BYU TV, of course, uh, coming up next, uh, perhaps next week. I'm trying to remember when they come back home. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're talented uh, on and off the field. That's awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Our next guest is uh, Gideon George, who's returning to BYU for a fifth season, one of our favorites. Gideon, great to have you back. Double meaning there. Hey, appreciate you guys for having me on here today. And this is your first time in studio on the show? Is that what we just learned? Yep, this is my first time being in here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> all, all it took was you returning for a fifth year and having Kristen here. I, yeah, think yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, welcome to Studio B, man. Hey, we'll, uh, that. we'll get your signature at the very end on that flag, if that's uh, all right. Let's go. Okay. Sure. Well, uh, let's talk about it. So, uh, for a second there, we thought you were leaving. You entered the transfer portal. Well, first you said, I'm going to try and go pro, yeah. then transfer portal, then you came back to BYU. Kind of walk us through uh, that decision-making process. Um, it hasn't been easy, but it's fun still, though, you know. Um, you know, I just put my name out there to go see what, like, what the NBA teams would say, you know. Just go get some few workouts with the NBA teams and... 
Also, I was just checking the boxes, though. Like, putting my name in the portal, I was checking the boxes. So, the feedback I heard from, like, most of my friends, they always say, like, the grass is not greener on the other side. So, I was like, uh, maybe this is the right box, so I should just stick to what I know. So, that's why I came back to BYU. And because I know how MacBook work, and I, I know the program, I know what he wants from me, I know what I want from them too. So that's, that's like a big reason for me coming back to BYU. It's kind of hard with all the, the different flexes of the program right now, right? Chris Burgess leaving, going to Utah, you got other teammates that are going into the portal. So in your decision-making to come back, who had the most influence on you? You mentioned a couple of friends, but who was really the one that it, maybe caught your attention and went yes what what am i you know what do i really want um i'll say i spoke to the coaching staff a lot you know and my brother too you know and samson yeah samson my pit yeah my parents too which they don't really like know what was going on but i think they're writing with byu too so i think that's a big plus and they really like influence my decision making if you had had more favorable feedback from, say, uh, pro scouts or other teams, was there a chance that you might have left? Um, I don't think so, no. I'll still ride with Pope. So I told you guys I've checked the boxes, and I think this is the perfect, like, the right fit for me. So that's why I'm coming back. What are some of those boxes that you feel like BYU still checks for you? Um, like culture wise, like I've been with Pope for like two years, so I know like I know Pope and Pope knows me. So like going somewhere else is like hard to build that relationship again, you know. It's like I'm starting from scratch. So that's why I was like um so I had like I had talk with Pope, like I sat down with Pope, we like had like great conversation. So I was like I think I'll ride with Pope again, so that's why I came back. And when you talk about um, your decision to come back, you mentioned that you had some unfinished business, that this team has some unfinished business. What is that unfinished business going forward this next season? It's to go win the NCAA championship. That's the unfinished business. I'll be trying for two years, so... Like, I want to win. That's why I came back. Like, I want to make it to the tournament. Not only making it to the to- uh, tournament, I want to win games in the tournament. So I want to have a deep run next year to the tournament. So that's the goal. Certainly this roster is in flux, which is normal at this time of year. But there have been a few more than normal that have entered the transfer portal from this uh, team. How are you sort of responding uh, to what's going on with BYU basketball in terms of trying to figure out what the roster is for next year and, and a new assistant coach here in the next little while? Um, I think we're getting better, though. Like, I think every day we're getting 1% better. So um, we're trending in the right direction, though. And also, I'm not worried because I know I know Pope. I know, like, the coaching staff. They're putting in hours every day. They, like... They're like, I bet they're killing it. So I'm not even worried about that. So I, I know Pope is like taking care of business and the coaching staff up there, they're taking care of business.
Now, what are the players doing personally? You mentioned the coaching staff and what they're doing to kind of prepare your team, whether it's finding those transfers, finding the players that you need. But as players right now, what's kind of the schedule with the spring going into summer that you guys look to do to, to take your game to the next level? Um, each and every one of us, like, individually, collectively, we need to get better, though. I think, like, that's what everyone is doing, though, this off season, Everyone is trying to, like, get better, you know, better their game, you know, watching film, like, being in the weight room, being on the court, so being in the training room, you know, taking care of your body. I feel like every one of us that are staying are doing that right now. Like, everyone want to get better because everyone knows the goals. The goal is, like, make it to the tournament and make a deep run in the tournament. So everyone is, like, really working hard towards that. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.